Let me ask you a question. If you could choose a one-word goal to achieve in life, what one word would you choose? I know some people do this for New Year's resolutions. They kind of set out, okay, this year my word is going to be blank. One year my word was presence, uh, not gifts, but just being present. And I bought a little sign that still sits on my desk and it just says, you are here. My wife thinks I'm crazy for it, but it, it grounds me in just be staying present in the moment, not getting ahead of myself, not losing myself in thoughts, which I often do. But if there was one word to represent your character, your nature, one word that would summarize what you stand for in life, what one word would you choose? So if you ask enough people, the list starts growing quite long. But at the top of the list, you start getting some common themes. And there are three that rose to the top when a group of people were surveyed. And the three more common words that people say they would like to summarize their life are good words. One is successful. A second is influential. And a third is happy. Like I said, they're good words. Successful, influential, happy. I'd like to be successful. Uh, God helps people become successful. And I, I hope that we're each successful in all that we do and what God calls us to. The word influential is a good word. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be ambassadors, making a difference in the world. So influence is great. Some people said, I don't want to just be influential, but I also want to be happy. And another word for happy, we touched on it last week, it's to be fulfilled, it's to be blessed. And those are some good words, but I believe that there's one word that in God's eyes stand above the rest. Because when we get to heaven, when we face Jesus, what he won't say is, well done, my good and successful servant. He won't say, well done, my good and influential servant. He won't say, well done, my good and happy servant. But what he will say to us is, well done, my good and faithful servant. So if there's one word that should stand above the rest, I believe we should strive to be faithful. So I'm going to make you do something crazy. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're looking faithful today. Because <laughs> it's not just about me up here. I want to get you guys involved in this too, because we're all going to do this together. So the title of today's message is one word that will change your life. So Father, we just ask today that by the power of your spirit, the truth of your word, that you would stir within us, empower us to be faithful to you in all that we do. We pray this in our Savior Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So I'm excited to share God's word with you today because we're in a message series called Predecide, and we're talking about the power of our decisions because as I keep saying, the quality of our decisions determines the quality of our life. So the problem is, though, that a lot of us struggle to be good decision makers. We, we wait until the last minute when we're in the heat of the moment and we're trying to then, like, uh, white-knuckle it. We're trying to stand strong and be like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, I'm going to choose the right thing. But we're bombarded with so many decisions every day that we're just, our decision-making muscle just wears down. So we have this little saying that we've been using each week, and we say that whenever we're faced with blank, we're predeciding to do blank. 
So we're taking time to actually look ahead and say, okay, here's things that I want to be. So I'm making decisions now that when I'm faced in certain situations, I've already decided who I'm going to be so that I know what I'm going to do. So we're not waiting until we're in the heat of the moment trying to just hopefully pick the right thing. We're actually saying, God, help us to know what decisions to make now that will help shape us and put us on the trajectory of living for you of what will please you. And there are six specific areas that we're focusing on in this message series to determine who we're going to be. We're pre-deciding that I'm ready, that I'm consistent, I'm devoted, I'm generous, I'm faithful, and I'm a finisher. So today, we're looking at the topic, the theme of faithfulness. I am faithful. And the reason we're pre-deciding to be faithful is because we never accidentally become consistently faithful. It's not something that just happens. There's no way day in and day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year after year, decade after decade, that we'll consistently be faithful without being intentional. And the reason that we find it difficult to be faithful is let's call it what it is, let's be honest, the trajectory of our life is toward what's easy. We all want what's convenient, we, we want to be able to just get the fast food, the drive through Netflix is going through a whole problem as they're making things more complicated. And I saw one person say, Netflix, we pay you because of your convenience. And now you're making it difficult that you're probably going to lose a lot of customers because the trajectory of our life is toward what's convenient. And being faithful, especially being faithful to God and doing what is right, is rarely easy. It comes with a cost, but it's always worth it. So in fact, to establish our tone for today, I'm going to look at God's word from the prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament, who said this in chapter 2, verse 4. He said, look at the proud. So do you guys know anyone who's proud? Don't point them out. Want to leave here friends today? (laughs) But look at the proud. What do they do? They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. What do they do? They trust in their own wisdom. They trust in their own knowledge. They trust in their own righteousness. They trust in their own goodness. They trust their own bank account or their own abilities. They trust in themselves because they're proud and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will do what? Let's say it aloud together. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Look at the proud. Unfortunately, I'm often in the proud group. I'm often the one who thinks I can do it on my own. I'm the one who tries to be good enough. I'm the one who tries to be self-sufficient. Eugene's always telling me, Kev, ask for help. Trevor's telling me, Kev, don't do this alone. (sighs) But sometimes it's just so hard. But scripture says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. I don't want to live a crooked life. So I am intentionally deciding not to be proud, but to be righteous, because the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Now that raises a question, what does it mean to be faithful? How do we practically live it out? And if you had have asked me before I put this message together, I would have thought, well, it means like you don't cheat on your spouse, you're faithful, you don't cheat on your taxes, you try to be a good person. And all that stuff is true. But when you look at how Jesus talked about faithfulness, he took a very different approach to faithfulness than most of us would recognize. 
In fact, if you do a word study on each time Jesus mentioned the word faithful, you'll see that he had three different categories. Whenever he talked about faithfulness, he talked about how you treat people. When he talked about faithfulness, he talked about how you steward resources. And when he talked about faithfulness, he talked about how you respond to God. When Jesus talked about faithfulness, it was always about relationships to people. It was about taking care of the resources he's given you. And it was about responding in obedience to God. So in response to the values of Jesus on faithfulness, if we're going to be faithful, then we need to pre-decide three things. The first thing is we're going to predecide that every interaction is an opportunity to add value. We're faithful in our relationships. Our second decision is this. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply because Jesus defines faithfulness in how we steward what he trusts to us. And the third decision is every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. Because every time Jesus talked about faithfulness, he talked about how you treat people, how you steward your resources, and how you respond to God. So let's look at the first one. If we're going to be faithful, we're going to predecide that every interaction with every person we have is an opportunity to add value. What does that mean? Well, it means wherever you go, every person you meet, everyone that you see is an opportunity to bless to encourage, an opportunity to be generous. It's an opportunity for you to add value to someone's life. So we're going to predecide that every person we see is an opportunity for us to show the love of God in a way that brings value and blessing into their life. And the reason that we predecide this is because we'll never add value consistently, accidentally. And that's because we are ridiculously focused on ourselves. And if you don't believe me, just think about when there's a group photo, eight, ten people, who's the first person you look for? It's you. And if it's a good photo of you, well then, by all means, that's a great photo. And if it's not so great, it's kind of like caught like mid-blink or something, and someone posts it online, well, that person must really not like you because that's a terrible photo. I know Amanda and I always argue about this too. If you'll see the pictures she posts, she looks great in them, and I'm the one like, uh. <laughs> it's the same thing when we interact with people. When we talk to people, we're often thinking in our mind, do they like me? Was I stupid? Should I not have said that? Like you walk away and you're analyzing everything that you said and did I embarrass myself? And trust me, I do this every Sunday after I preach a message. I'm like, oh man, especially when I start going off script, then I really start going back. And I'm like, I don't know, Amanda. I don't know if I should have shared that much. <laughs> but what if instead of saying, will they like me? Do they like me? What if instead because Jesus lives in us, we predecide that every time we interact with others, instead of being self-focused, we're being you-focused, others-focused. We're, we're saying, okay, I'm going to add value to your life. I'm going to be a blessing to you in all that I do. And this is a form of faithfulness to God. In fact, Scripture said it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, for adding value according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And I love this. To be faithful to God, you're going to add value to people. In other words, when you walk into a room, the climate improves, it changes. You're an encourager. You're someone who's a blessing. When you tell the truth, you always tell the truth in grace and love. The people are going to be better. They're going to have more faith. They're going to be more blessed because you were there. You add value to people's lives, and that's actually faithfulness to God. In fact, when you look at what Jesus did and how he treated people, think about the words Jesus said, and think about what Jesus did. When the disciples were worried, Jesus didn't say, well, you better worry, because the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Have you even read the news today? Things are bad, and they're only going to get worse. No. He said, don't be afraid. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Your heavenly Father cares about you so much, and he cares about the birds so much. And if he cares about the birds that much, how much more will he care for you? Today has enough worry, so seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be given. Think about the woman who sinned. She was caught in adultery. What did Jesus say to her? What did he do? He didn't say shame on you. He didn't turn his back on her. He simply knelt down in the sand and he just started writing. We don't know what he wrote, but I believe he was taking the eyes off of her and help restoring her dignity. And all these men who had accused her started walking away. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. And he said with love in his heart, then neither do I accuse you. Neither do I condemn you. Go your way and don't sin anymore. Just go and be righteous and be free. And think about this. When Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times, what did Jesus do? Did he say, eh, you're canceled? No. Jesus said, hey, do you still love me? Then go feed my sheep. Go do my will. Go show my love. He forgave gracefully. Jesus said, I came to show the love of my Father. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And in fact, you'll do even greater things when I go away because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be with you. Every interaction with anyone, you show the love of God, you build up, you encourage, you show grace, you be a blessing, and you have no idea how God might use a single word of encouragement to change someone's life. That's faithfulness to God. I'm standing here today because of others who who added value to my life, who spoke life into me when I doubted myself, when I wasn't sure what I was doing with my life. There was the day that I stormed into my pastor's office yelling and screaming, and I just couldn't control myself because of the spiritual warfare. I was living in sin, but trying to put on the facade of a different life. And He just wrapped his arms around me and cried and said, Kevin, I love you. I see God working in your life. He could have ripped a strip off me. How dare you speak to me that way? How dare you do this and this? But he just said, no, I see God at work. Or the other time, another pastor who took me out for coffee every month or so, and I just thought he was keeping tabs on me because I was out partying with his kids most weekends. But the moment God grabbed a hold of my life, I called him up. I said, Pastor Al, we need to go out for coffee. I said, I think God's calling me into ministry. And he just fanned the flame. He didn't go back over my track record of the last two to four years. And Well, you did this and you did this. He just said, Kev, that's awesome. You need to do it. Jump in with both feet. 
I'm so thankful to be standing here today because of others who added value to my life. And what I want you to know is that one of the ways you can be faithful to God is by being a blessing to people, and you can even do it today, meaning you might not get out of here this morning without a divine assignment to just reach out to someone, encourage them. God might use a single word of encouragement to change someone's life. I am faithful. I'm predeciding that every interaction with a person is an opportunity to show love, to be a blessing, and to add value. Second, we're going to be faithful to God by predeciding that every resource is an opportunity to multiply. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply. So Matthew's gospel, Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about a man who went on a journey and he trusted his wealth to his servants. He gave them bags of gold. So one guy, he gave five bags of gold. Another guy, he gave two bags of gold. And then the last guy, he gave one bag of gold. The first two went out and they put their gold to work. They risked it, they invested it, and they doubled it. And according to scripture, in verse 21, the master comes back and he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, so now I'm going to put you in charge of many things. You multiplied what I gave you. And in the kingdom of God, that is faithfulness. In fact, the Greek word that's translated as faithful is a cool word. It's the word pistos. And the word means this. Persons who show themselves faithful in the transactions of business the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. It's people that are faithful in business dealings. One of the ways you can be faithful to God is by caring for what God gives you, by, by multiplying it. God gives you an ugly yard, well, you make it a better yard, and maybe you plant a garden, and you begin multiplying fruits and vegetables. God gives you a clunker of a car, but you can have the cleanest clunker of a car ever and help people get around town. God gives you a body and you take care of your body. These things are faithfulness to God. And if you're in business, one thing I've noticed is that sometimes, especially Christians who are in business, they, they almost feel like they're second-class citizens. Like, oh yeah, I went into the business world. I'm not really in ministry. I, I'm not doing ministry. But think about this. Being good in business is one of the most God-honoring things you can do. It really is to create something that adds value, to bless someone else, to being a good leader, to leading with integrity, to those of you who are business owners who took the risk and multiplied it in order to provide jobs, in order to be a person of integrity who treats your employees well. So you can fast, you can pray, you can be a missionary, you can read the Bible, you can teach three-year-olds the Bible, or you can be a God-honoring business person, and that is just as faithful as fasting and reading your Bible. It's faithfulness to God when you care for what God has given you and you multiply your resources. And this is why at The Well, we're passionate about stewarding our resources well. That when you give, we, we do try and create some margin that we can lead the way with radical generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than receive. And I know it's a crazy idea that we try and create margin, but it's, it's one thing that the, the leaders of our church have felt for, for years. I know Eugene used to be on the leadership team, and he said, guys, we should create a line item, ministry opportunity, 
because Binbrook often comes up with new initiatives like the Santa Claus parade and the tree lighting. And we wanted to have some funds set aside that we can say, yeah, let's be involved. And as soon as we started as a church, we began giving funds to our Global Advance Fund, which supports international workers all around the world, and our District Ministry Fund, which starts new initiatives like us or like the Martin Brothers down in Dundas. This is faithfulness to God when you, you care for what he's given you and you look at how you can multiply that and be generous to others. And then there was the guy who had the one bag of gold. And I feel bad for this guy because I'm sure we've all had times where we've kind of been afraid to risk it. We're like, I don't know, maybe I'll just sit back. And, and this guy, he just buried his in the ground. So watch what the master says to him in verse 25. The poor guy says, I was afraid and I went and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to feel. To the one who multiplied, the master said, you are faithful. To the one who buried it, who sat on it, he wasn't just lazy. Scripture says he was wicked. Like That's pretty strong. But we're going to choose to be faithful. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value, and every resource is an opportunity to multiply. And third, every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. Every prompting is an opportunity to obey God. I love Acts chapter 20, verse 22, when Paul, he was really happy where he was. He was around Ephesus, and he had this emotional farewell, and he said, and now compelled by the Spirit. The word in Greek is dedomenos, which means to be wrapped up, like you're bound with cords. He's like, I'm being drawn to this. I'm being compelled by the Spirit. And he said, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. He's saying, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. I don't know the details. I just know that I'm being drawn. Friends, when you follow Jesus, he will prompt you. He will compel you. And faithfulness is responding and obeying, even when you don't know what will happen. I've shared this before, probably never publicly from the front here, but one of my temptations is to go into teaching. Now, teachers, I know you'll be like, good luck. <laughs> but I just always thought, man, they have a pretty good pay, they have a great pension, they get the summers off, the whole thing. Don't worry about the details. I know the details of the day are extreme, but I just thought I'd have the same schedule as Amanda. I'd, I'd be able to just, my neighbors, they go off traveling every summer together because they're both teachers. And I'm like, man, whenever Steve asks me, like, are you ever tempted to throw in the towel? I'm like, there have been times. He's like, what would you do? I'm like, teach. But whenever someone asks, then why don't you? It's because I'm compelled to be a pastor. Like, like Paul's saying here, like I'm bound with cords. Like, yeah, there are days if I could do anything else, I would love to, but I can't because God is just calling me that strongly. But then there's other times where it's just more gentle nudges, where God just simply puts someone on your heart. I know there was even some people in our church, too, where God sometimes will put, 
put you on my heart and I'll simply shoot off an email or I'll pick up the, the phone and I'll call and I'll say, how'd you know? Like, we're, we're actually going through a difficult time at the moment. And I just said, God put you on my heart. Like, how can I pray for you? I know when I was sharing some of these thoughts with Amanda too, she said the morning she met Madri, um, she just woke up and just felt in her spirit that she had to go to the early year center here in Binbrook. And she took Kinsley off to the early years and she met Madri and Guhan. And Madri came to know Jesus here through the well. And she was out on the Friday worship night and we hope to see her some more. But again, that was a prompting of the Holy Spirit. And then this one is crazy. It didn't happen to me personally, but I know of a pastor who is doing ministry on the other side of the world. And on his day off, he decided to walk with his wife down to the beach. It was about a 30-minute walk. And he walks down to the beach, and he gets there, and he just had it on his heart to call this friend. And he's like, ah, but I left my phone back there. So he sat down, but he still had this uh, prompting. And his wife said, well, you better go back and get your phone. So he walks the 30 minutes back to his hotel. He picks up the phone. Not even thinking of the time difference, he calls his friend. And then he realizes it's midnight for his friend. But his friend answers, and he says, why are you calling me now? He said, I know, I'm sorry it's late, but I just had you on my heart. And his voice started to shake. He said, why now? He said, well, I know you've been going through a difficult time. So the pastor asked, are you planning on taking your life? And his friend said, yes, I am. I'm going to do it. The pastor asked, do you have a gun? Is it in your hand? And the guy said, yes. The pastor very calmly asked, do you recognize that I'm in another part of the world? And God loves you so much that he prompted me to call you at this time. Put the gun down. Go wake up your neighbor. We're not going to do this today. And he started crying, and he said, yes, I can see that's just how much God loves me. Like, Talk about the Holy Spirit at work. Like, church, you have no idea what God might do when you follow a prompting. That is faithfulness. Now, there have also been times when I've told God, speak to me, I'll do whatever it is you ask. And suddenly, there's someone on my heart that I, I feel the need to pray for or call. Or The most awkward times are when you're actually with the person out in public, and God's like, you need to pray for this person. And it's like can I just wait until I get back in the car? Can I just pray for them in my head? Like, okay, you got it, God, I'm doing it. And he's like, no, I want you to pray for this person now. And there have been some times where then I just tell the person and I say, hey, I just really feel this need to pray for you. Can I, can I pray for you? And, and no one's ever declined it. And they're like, sure. But then when we're done praying, they look at me, I look at them, and it's kind of like, okay, let's never talk about this again. <laughs> and we just go on our own ways. And it's like, where's the miracle? Well, there isn't one. What's the story? There isn't one. But the spiritual principle is this. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. Like, there are going to be times we look crazy. Like, let's talk about the first baptism service we ever had at the well. We set up the tank. We were over at the gym in the United Church. We set up the horse trough and... and I know there were people who were sitting on the fence, and they're like, oh, like, I think I want to, but I don't know. And, and we had our very first baptism service with no baptisms, but it was phenomenal. 
And then God actually started using that to work in my son's life, and I was able to baptize him months later on his eighth birthday. Obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's. Sometimes you'll see the reason, and other times you won't, but we're going to pre-decide to be faithful. And what I want you to understand is God is going to put someone on your heart, something on your heart, and you're not going to be sure why, but you're going to say, I think I'm supposed to tell you, or I think I'm supposed to text you, or I think I'm supposed to give you this. I think I was supposed to bless you with this. And you're going to pre-decide that because of the faithfulness of God, I want to be faithful to him. I'm faithful to add value. I'm faithful to multiply and steward what God has given me. I'm faithful to obey. Why? Because the righteousness, the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. I am faithful. I'm often asked about the size of our church, and it's a natural question. People are curious about it. When I say I'm a pastor, we started a church, it's five years old. They're like, oh, how big is it? And it's always a tough one to answer because well, you know, week to week, it, it can vary. Uh, there's pre-COVID families that we haven't seen back yet. There's post-COVID families. There's, do we include all the kids? Because if so, thank you, Clarks, for having twins. You just helped our church grow. <laughs> but God has used our church in its short five years of existence to already reach and impact so many more families than just who we see here on Sunday mornings. However, do I want to reach more? Absolutely. Did I think by this point in time we would be reaching more people? Yes. I want to impact this city. I want to make a difference in our community. I want to see God transform this place. But one of the most profound pieces of advice I've heard is this you're going to overestimate what you can accomplish in the short run, but you'll vastly underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. So I don't know who this is for, but I want you to hear it. You'll overestimate what you can get done in this season of life, how you can change your marriage in this season, how you can make an impact in this season, how you can improve financially in this season, how you can grow spiritually You'll overestimate what you can do in the short run, but you'll vastly, every single time, underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. Friends, we have to remember that it's not just about these, these one-time events, these big stories, but it's about all of the small moments of faithfulness. We have to be faithful in the small things. So I started dating Amanda 16 years ago when I had very spiky hair. <laughs> So we decided to be faithful in purity, wait until we were married to engage in the gift of lovemaking. So I'll be honest with you, it was pretty hard on Amanda, but I fought her off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was totally me. But we honored God in faithfulness. And then on June 13th, 2009, I stood before God and our family and before our closest friends, and I made a promise to God. And I promised to Amanda that I was going to be faithful to her as long as we both shall live. And 14 years later, just about, I've kept and will continue to keep that vow. And at the end of 2015, we felt prompted to, to start a new church here in Binbrook, and we were scared to death. But with a handful of people in Chris and Alex's living room, we began meeting together, believing that perhaps one day God might do something special in and through us. 
Our first kids coordinator was Michaela Seeley, who was pretty much just hired to babysit our kids because they were so small at the time. And what blew me away was when her mom told me that she was shocked Michaela even accepted the position. She had no experience whatsoever, and she struggled with uh, selective mutism, I believe it was called, where she would only talk to her family. But by coming here and serving in the ministry with our kids, it began bringing her out of her shell. And in fact, just before she finished here, she was up on stage at Gateway sharing about her experience as our kids coordinator. But then she felt called into auto mechanics. And she was setting things up for uh, an internship. And just before her school was supposed to start, it fell through. But one of my groomsmen from my wedding has an auto shop out in Ancaster. And I said, hey, John, do you, do you take on any interns? And he said, I actually just got approved to be able to do some of this stuff. And Michaela still works there to this very day. So every time I'm getting oil changes and my tires changed, I get to see Michaela. And I just remember just God's faithfulness and how he's used people and brought different people around for different seasons. Faithful, faithful, faithful. But then perhaps one of the most confusing moments of faithfulness was in March of 2020, when the churches were closed and nobody was meeting together in person. And I didn't know if anybody would come back. I didn't know if we'd, people would continue giving because we were all going through this crazy time of uncertainty. What's going to happen? And like I've said many times, I didn't think we'd survive three months. It was the scariest moment. But not only did we last three months, we were online for 553 days, which is just over 18 months. That's six times longer. Now, I'll be honest with you. Like I said earlier, there were times I was ready to throw in the towel, but I was compelled to keep going. And I truly believe, because we as a church had the faith to believe that Jesus would continue to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against the body of Christ. We are here today. Friends, when you're faithful with a little, God will trust you with much. And so I know that we're a little church, but we're going to trust him with all we've got. We're going to be bet the farm risk takers. I want us to, to, to go out there and just, how can we be a blessing to our community? How can we show God's love? How can we strengthen what we're doing here and disciple others? We're going to have another baptism service the Sunday following Easter, April 16th. And I'm betting the farm on that one because I've got no one lined up again, but I just felt it in my heart that God's like, just put out the opportunity for people. So if you're sitting on the fence and you're wondering about baptism, talk to me. Even just have the conversation. It doesn't mean you're committing. I won't force you. I won't make you sign in blood. But it's just... If you haven't taken that next step in following Jesus, maybe it's your opportunity. The other thing that's really funny is where I'm really betting the farm on this one is at this point, I don't have a baptism tank. And Gateway is having a baptism on the same day because I called them and said, hey, I want to have a service this day. And they said, well, we're having a baptism service this day. And then I called the other church that we used the trough and they said, we don't have one either. So... I have some ideas. I'm not crazy, but we're going to have a baptism tank, and it's going to be good, and I'm so excited for that service. So, friends, we just we have to be faithful in what we have. We have to 
We have to keep God in focus. And if you want to be successful, if you want to be influential, if you want to be happy, you've got to be faithful in the small things that God is calling you to, to what he's prompting you to. And God will trust you with more. When you're faithful with those around you, he'll give you more influence. When you're faithful to make a difference in the world, well, suddenly you'll discover a life of fulfillment, a life of joy. Because he'll keep trusting you with more. The righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Every interaction is an opportunity to add value. Every resource is an opportunity to multiply and to steward. And every prompting is an opportunity to obey. So when God prompts you, just say yes, because obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is God's. And my promise to you is this. You will overestimate what you can get done in the short haul, but you'll vastly underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, make us faithful. God, we pray today, we want to be faithful to you in the small things. Help us. Stir within us a desire to honor you, to be faithful, to be a blessing, to be a good steward of the resources you've given us, and to be obedient to your Spirit's promptings in our lives. God, make me faithful. Take a moment to just tell him, I'll be faithful, God. I will be obedient. I want to be a blessing. I will be a steward. Make me faithful. And as you keep praying today, some of you might just recognize that you haven't been faithful to God. None of us have gotten it right. We've all fallen short. And you might feel incredibly guilty, but Scripture says this, that even when we're faithless, the good news is that God is faithful. And there's a powerful truth in Scripture about Jesus, the Son of God who gave his life, died in our place so that we could live. And Scripture says that if we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So wherever you're at today, those of you that need his forgiveness, you need his grace, what we're going to do is step away from sin and step into a relationship with God so that we can honor him. When you call on the name of Jesus, God forgives every single sin and he makes you new wherever you are. So church, Those of you who say, I need his grace today, I call on him. When you do, he makes you new. Cry out to him, I want your forgiveness. Call on him. And if you're praying this prayer, would you just lift your hand and say, yes, that's my prayer. I need Jesus. I'm giving my life to you, Christ. Let's all pray this. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive all my sins. Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me new. My life belongs to you. Thank you for new life. Thank you for sending your spirit to live within me. Help me be faithful in all I do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.